Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 550 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcast. I'm Todd with my co-host Joe. How are we doing today? Hey, uh, I had a good 24 hours on the old social media. Oh, did you? I did. Uh, one, not that you would know, uh, but I had a Terry Tuesday post uh, that got almost 200 likes. Mm-hmm. And then I had a joke about the fiend Bray Wyatt that has over 600 likes. Oh, you beat me out with my WrestleMania post about Sheamus and Beaker. How many did that get for you? Uh, I want to say it was over 100 and some likes and like 50 retweets or something like that. But uh, yeah, I basically tweeted out the picture of Sheamus and Beaker together at a Raw like years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I was like, never forget, Seamus and Beaker are related. Because <laughs> Seamus comes to see him and he says, he's like, oh, because you think he's going to beat Beaker up. And he tells him that he can't make it to uh, the family reunion next week. Mm-hmm. So, because he's going to be on the road. So, that's, and that seemed, people seem to like it. But you beat me. Well, you are the better man when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, I was I was shocked you hung in there for both nights of uh, WrestleMania, both WrestleMania Saturday and WrestleMania Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I usually do the after Raw, but I forgot about it this year. I was out running around. I was like, oh, it's 8-10. I, well, not too late to get home. Or I would have done <laughs> the Raw afterwards where they boo the people they like and they uh, cheer the people they hate. You know, that Raw. Well, there so, was no people for Raw. There was just people for WrestleMania. Oh, just for WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. okay. Then I'm glad I didn't watch it. It doesn't it's look just, like there's going to be live people for a World Wrestling Entertainment event at least until August at the earliest. Right. And I heard they outsold tickets for the show more than the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I I, I think I might have <laughs> predicted that before it happened. Um, right. World Wrestling Entertainment isn't one to fudge the numbers on attendance. That would be beneath them. Right, or above them, or one of those things. Right, well mm-hmm. above them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a quote one time where when they say the number of tickets sold on the show itself, that it's for entertainment purposes. <sighs> I was really entertained by that lie. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. All right, this is not at odds with wrestling. That comes out Thursdays. Todd, what do we have to talk about here on the comic book show? That's right. Uh, we have Amazons versus Pirates, Joe. And also, what's the newest opportunity for uh, comic collectors to collect? We'll talk about that. Um, we'll have free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was, I don't want to say it's a it's Giger number one, right? Or is it Geiger? I can't. I, I assume it's Geiger because it's supposed to be like a Geiger counter. That's what I thought too. But either way, Geiger number one, Immortal Hulk number forty-five, and King in Black uh, number five, the finale. Also, what we're looking forward to this week: Todd and Joe have issues where we talk about the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Um, I don't think we had any heart attacks this week. And For at the end of the sh- what? For shame. For shame, and at the end of the episode, we'll have spoiler-filled talk of the latest episode of The Flash with all the forces and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, the latest episode. 
And I have lots of notes for both, actually. Ah, good. I'm shooting from the hip. I'm throwing the shield from my hip, Joe, but yeah. I'm into it, so. And uh, what was I going to say there when you're going through? Um, when we get to what we read this past week, and I, you know, and I pull up the the preview thing for reminding me like the creative team on Geiger and that video that's embedded on all image. Number one comics auto plays. I'll just mm-hmm. let that play. Until t- that should tell me the correct pronunciation of the book. There you go. There you go. So uh, one of the news stories you mentioned, uh, of course, was I wasn't really sure on how I felt about this one, um, but it seemed as though someone was attempting to game the system on Amazon uh, in that they were using multiple publisher accounts mm-hmm. and uploading Marvel and DC and Image and all sorts of other books uh, at well below the normal price that they sell on uh, Kindle Unlimited. Right. And it was like uh, Amazon had to like keep acting like ahead of the thing. Right. Because like every time they found one, they kept just kind of moving it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think that someone maybe feel, figured out like an algorithm on how to game the system as opposed to like someone manually doing it, if that makes any sense. Right. I feel it's more like the radar gun versus radar detecting te- technology. It's one upmanship every time. Right. And then I guess they were doing it for like a bunch of other stuff as well. They were like doing like nonfiction books. And then they were putting up. Um, like that diary of a wimpy kid thing, but labeling it as like Charles Schultz peanuts mm-hmm. um, and other stuff that was already up there for free. But it's one of those things where, you know, someone was trying to game the system. So I don't know if I should be, um, <laughs> I don't know how I should feel about that. You know, you don't know if you should be impressed or disgusted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because listen, uh, you know, we we get paid an advertising fee monthly from Amazon, so I would hate to bite the hand that feeds us, mm-hmm. uh, albeit scraps, but, uh, you know, I, I'm all for ingenuity and sticking it to the man as well, so I'm torn. Right, but the only thing that I worry about there, too, is that whoever created those properties, and I don't mean the big businesses, but the uh, you know the little guy who's the writer and the artist, they won't get their royalties because they won't count as the sales towards the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's wherein the part the part bothers me. Like I said, when multi billion dollar corporations get like you know they lose a few shekels on the back end, I'm not gonna like shed any tears. But if that's oh a thousand uh, copies that would like hit some sort of like quota for a creator, then that kind of sucks, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's the way I look at it anyway. I'm glad you're here, the moral compass of the show. <laughs> hey, when I do an opportunity, I only I only hurt the big guy. Right. So speaking of opportunities. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, we've talked before about first appearances, and then we get the whole thing of rookie cards. And what constitutes a first appearance if it's not a comic book, I'll tell (laughs) you. But now the opportunity police have decided that, I guess, if you're a creator, your yearbook photo now constitutes a financial sum that you see no part of? Yes, apparently your graduating yearbook is worth money if you're a legendary creator, Joe. 
Right. So Steve Ditko's uh, high school yearbook photo is up on heritage auction sites. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a previous copy of his yearbook sold uh, about 10 years ago for about uh, $1,100. This one's currently only sitting at about 400 Um, And I think the previous one may have been... No, no, it was the same year uh, that he graduated. Now, I'll say this, though. If we're going to go this far and start grabbing people's yearbook photos Mm -hmm. and assigning a value to those, wouldn't you want their rookie card, the first picture that was ever taken of them ever? Right, so you'd want, like, their sophomore year. No, I would want, like, a baby picture. Oh, a baby picture. That is a good point. That is now, a good this point. is where things get a little sticky here as well. Remember back in the day when you would play like T-ball or Little League or whatever, right. and they would do the photos that looked like baseball cards? Oh. Does that now count as your rookie card, quote unquote? A lot of times they would even put rookie card on there. Right, but I don't know. When Ditko was kid was a kid, did they have the ability to make uh, you know, amateur rookie cards, Joe? Right. That I don't know. I'm gonna guess they didn't. But this might be a bridge too far for even me. Not that I was playing with the other bridges of rookie cards and appearances and all sorts of other nonsense like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we now start counting personal family heirlooms as monetary valued items for right. collectors, I think that might be a, t- a tad sleazy. Right. But... You're okay with the yearbooks, though, right? No. But now let me ask you, for your collection, I'm going to go and pretend this is at odds again. Sure. Would you like the Red Rooster Terry Funk's, uh, you know, no. yearbook? What about what about Dusty Rhodes' yearbook? Let me tell you something. This is my yearbook. No. Rowdy Piper's? No. Oh, my God. Uh, Orange Cassidy's? Uh, I could get that, but no. <laughs> okay. So something, it's, this is just my mindset, right? Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with them in their chosen profession. Right, but that's like saying that, oh, I have uh, Abraham Lincoln's autograph, but it was before he was president, has nothing to do with his presidential, you know, it's it's part of the legend, you know? What did he autograph? Did he just write a write? Did he just write his name like on a cocktail napkin? Yeah. Nah, I'm okay. What you want? You want like you want to own the Constitution kind of? No, nah, <laughs> let, let's see. Let's say he signed one of those big stovepipe hats. Oh, that it I was would buy. His stovepipe hat, but it was like a replica stovepipe hat. You know, because he, you know, because and listen, you brought this up. Abraham Lincoln <laughs> was a wrestler back in the day. Oh my god! I, rem- I remember when the NWA used to try to t- tie the lineage of their title to <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. There was a lot of stretching going on there, right? Mm-hmm. So one would assume when he would go and he would work these shows and it'd be intermission to be working the gimmick table. He, like, part of his gear, his outfit that he would wear to the ring would be the stovepipe hat, and he wouldn't be selling that one, but he would probably sell replicas that, like, he would pose for a mark picture with someone and autograph the hat or something, right? Right. So, 
anyone's autograph on a piece of paper, you know, means nothing, right? Like just random piece of paper, cocktail napkin is the joke. You know, it's like, oh, they scribbled it on there, handed it to you. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And these are my weird rules on those sort of things. Now, you mentioned all of these things. And let's say I was personal friends with Roddy Piper. And Roddy Piper said, hey, Joe, uh, you're a good guy. And while, and while he was doing it, he was shaking my hand and squeezing my arm because that's what Roddy Piper did to people. Uh, he said, I want you to have this. This is me handing it to you as a gift because I think you would get a kick out of seeing this. And it was that yearbook of his, right? Mm-hmm. That would mean something. Me buying it long after Roddy Piper is dead for an inflated sum from a third-party auction site? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't have the same oomph to me, you know? I see it as an investment opportunity. Mm, well, you're half right. That's how I look at it. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe you disagree with me on this. Leave it in the comments. Tweet at me. <laughs> Tell me about the Michael Jordan box of Adidas that he signed because there were no Nikes to be found or something, you know? Oh, that would be great. I got too many people in my mentions about shoes already, so. Uh-uh. Well, that's what, listen, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a picture of my shoes. <laughs> that's going to deter everyone from ever talking to me about shoes. I'm going to take a picture of my shoes and my glasses so I have them. <laughs> you know, m- both my wife and my son say that all the time because of me. Right, and I know at one point your son didn't even know why you was saying it. Probably still I don't think doesn't. He, I don't think he knows why he says it now. Like, I've told him, but I don't think, like, what he the jerky it. boys are register to him. Well, he's. I think he's old enough for Frank Rizzo. Listen, I think he is, but he has a mother who thinks otherwise. Oh, uh, well, give her a catalog to keep her occupied. Well, you know... You can't get that catalog that Todd's talking about from our local comic book shop. Only the finest and cleanest wares can be found in Comics <laughs> of the Green. Go check out their Facebook page. It's included in the notes with the show. Uh, if you don't have a comic book store in your area or a good comic book store in your area, be sure to check them out. Dave and the gang do a bang-up subscription in-person or mail-order business. Uh, and hey, if you're a mail order person, you might even get one of those fancy uh, commission sketches things from our good friend Becky. You can go check her stuff out over on her Instagram. You could check out our friend Kevin's blog over at Masked Library. He's been posting up a bunch more YouTube videos of his thrift store finds. You can go check out Rick Williams, the Chop Shop, free karate chops dot store com jason sandberg and chris runt both have their digital comic offerings you know we have listeners who are very creative uh jupiter and battle monsters respectively the links to those are in the show notes as well as the links to soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com That's where you could find all of your favorite shows that we deem fit to be part of our collective or good collective. We don't allow bad people in and then avoid the questions when talking about it. Whether it be this show. What was that? Right. (laughs) Whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, Final Wrestling Plays, At Odds with Wrestling, uh, Wings on Wings podcast has returned with a vengeance. 
And this is why soon to be named network is better than any of your podcatchers and whatnots, because the Wednesday Night Wars recently became the We Need Wrestling podcast, and they went through a URL change and an RSS feed change and all these other things. But if you just go to soon to be named network.com, it'll be there for you. You don't have to do anything else. That's why soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com is the best. We Need Wrestling? We Need Wrestling is what the podcast that Brett and DJ do now is called. Yes. Do we really? Oh, we do. Oh, we need the podcast, but do we need wrestling? Yes, we uh, do. All right. Uh, digital books and sales, of course. Um, Marvel has a couple new ones. They have a, Mar- a Spider-Man Life Story. I guess there's some new Chip Zdarsky book coming out this week called Spider-Man Life. So they're just using this as an excuse of, like, um, here's a bunch of, like, I guess alternate reality tales, maybe some older Spider-Man tales. I don't know. It's like a hodgepodge of things. I can't make heads or tails out of it, but it seems to be a lot of, like, what-if and imaginary tales sort of stuff. Right. Uh, There's a Captain Marvel sale. Um, Oni Press still having a sale on Scott Pilgrim stuff. Titan still having a sale on Doctor Who stuff. IDW still having a sale on lock and key stuff. Uh, Dynamite still having a sale on Garth Ennis stuff. Image still having a sale on Invincible stuff. I haven't gotten a chance to watch any of Invincible over on Amazon. Um, Boom has added a sale for Giant Days and Lumberjanes. And I'd be remiss not to mention this. And I wish I was doing a better job of tracking this along with the uh, Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One gimmick. It seems as though lately, more recently, DC is letting their sales go for two weeks. Mm -hmm. As opposed to one, like, updating it every Tuesday with a new sale. I feel as though someone has decided a way, figured out a way to do half the work. Okay. Again, instead of curating the same new list every week, they can curate the same new list every other week. That's right, put their feet up and not... Not do anything two weeks in a row. That's right. To autoplay. All right. <laughs> so what do we got? Uh, let's get into what we uh, what we read from this past week, sir. All right. I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, uh, Geiger, or Geiger, um, written by Jeff Johns and art by Gary Frank. Um, this tells the story. Well, it starts out with two people during, you know, in an apocalyptic wasteland, radioactive apocalyptic wasteland, looking for supplies. They're telling the story of where they're going. Um, the, the, the myth, the legend of this person who lives there. And it cuts back to July, uh, uh, 2030, because that's the date on the calendar. Um, and there's this news broadcast with a bunch of stories that I think will all be important down the line. Um, and that someone has started a war and we're not really sure this this guy has a you know has a a bomb shelter and he's get he's going in when he gets attacked by other people who want to take it from him and his family and he gets stuck outside as the war happens jump to the future that where this guy where this story happened is boulder colorado i believe and these people are going to go scavenge for supplies because the legend of this guy who's alive and doesn't wear a suit out there in this radioactive wasteland is out there and like it's all just a myth we'll go find food well 
maybe it isn't and this person is out there and he's waiting you know for his family in the in this future um and then we cut to the people who sent these people to scavenge and it's the king of this realm and you know the full trappings of a castle and a crown and he's a little jerk and i love that he's got a joffrey vibe going from uh, game of thrones big time and uh just when you find out what he's the king of is actually really cool and all in all we even get a uh junkyard joe uh comic on the back of the the cover which is a thing that's throughout like in the story that is mentioned uh I really like this. Is, I look at this as the way I looked at like Nocturna or Noctera from a few weeks ago. Number one is it's a very good jumping on point. Like, or well, number one starting point gives you everything you need to know to give you the basics. And then it's where does the story go from here? Gary Frank, I'm never going to, you know, complain about that guy's art because it's beautiful. And because it's a creator owned project, he's not cutting any corners. Looks fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to this, and I like the way they swipe the uh, old Silver Age checkerboard uh, motif for the top of the comic on their cover, the, the A cover, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, short answer, I echo the sentiments of that you mentioned. I was sitting here mm-hmm. thinking to myself, I'm like, didn't we just recently talk about a book where it was a first issue, a couple books recently, where they give you a whole bunch of ideas and maybe it's like, oh, this one that felt like they gave you just enough. And then this one they gave you maybe too much in a first issue. And Noctera was the one that I remember where we said, like, they gave you a lot of information, but they gave you enough about, like, here's your two main characters or three main characters. And then here's a bunch of stuff about them. And then, like, here's a little bit about this, 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 a little bit about this. Maybe they connect to those first three things. Maybe they don't. Let's move on. Right. And then here's your baddie at the end. Right. And then I think, wasn't there something else? I wish I could remember what it was where I felt as though they didn't do a good job. There was like, oh, you know what? It was just a couple weeks ago. It was the the Flash issue. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. That we talked about. It was like, okay, it's a new jumping on point. Um, there's good ideas in here, but there's too many good ideas. And they're trying to give everything the same sort of time, but by doing so, it's not giving the main focal points enough time to really flesh themselves out, whereas Noctera did it, and I think Geiger did the same. Yes. Um, I like Gary Frank's art. I'm a Gary Frank fan. Uh, The colorist, Brad Anderson, I don't know if they've worked together before, and I get why it's colored this way, but I'm typically so used to seeing... Gary Frank stuff colored more, and I don't want to say pastels, but more of a lighter color palette, whereas this have it has a darker, heavier color pattern palette. And I understand why, but it gives Gary Frank's art like a little bit of a different look, maybe a little bit of a different feel. Not a huge discrepancy, but enough. Right. Um, that coloring usually doesn't get me unless it's like super, super kind of obvious for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I can see how it would, uh, you know, what you're saying. And this was one of those ones where uh, this issue is, can be more or less a one and done story sort of thing. If this was pitched as maybe like uh, something in a horror anthology, mm-hmm. you could have just taken the part out about the, the king right, who lives in blank right, and just have it be about the guy who survived the nuclear blast. 
and the sadness yeah. with his family. Very Twilight Zony, very horror anthology stuff there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add on that little bit with the king and what he's up to and the people that he sent and everything else like that. That's where we get our continuation. And we get even get a little thing of like a map. Of yep. Here's okay. these two pages and like, here's where everything is and here's where everyone is and ooh, what's over here and here's a thing over there and maybe we'll see this person next issue and maybe we won't. And then the next page we get a thing coming up next issue. Here's a thing, here's a thing, here's a thing. I like the layout of this comic. This is something that they don't do in comics that much anymore where you get like this picture of the world at the end and like, uh, you know, not metaphorical, like a literal picture of the world. And then mm-hmm. you get a thing of, like, thrills, chills, and spills. Next issue, here's three little teasers, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times you would get that in maybe, like, an anniversary book. Or maybe, you know, the end of a big storyline, and now we're moving on. And I wonder if that bit is going to be something that continues with the rest of the stuff. Just let me touch on something for one second. You remember when, uh, and I know you'll remember, it was when Jeff Johns was writing The Flash, or JSA. Yeah. You know, when he had control, when comics, and I don't want to sound like an old here, Joe, but when comics were a little different and Jeff Johns knew how to write a story, not that he doesn't anymore, but comics were written different, where it would be like, here's my story. Maybe it's two issues or whatever, but while that's going on, there's a, there's like, you know, uh, there's a little interlude in the middle. And then at the end, like the adventure wraps up and then there's an epilogue. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, over the years, everything was, was, uh, written told to be written in trades and everything like that where i feel like since this is jeff's own book and gary frank's own book he can and it feels like that with this issue that he can get back to that storytelling if you know what i mean it's like yeah of course i'm gonna write for a trade kind of like you're gonna have that high spot at the end of a trade to lead you into the next one whatever but he can he can do whatever he wants without having to derail himself for a crossover or be told by the, the the empty suits this is the way you have to do it and i missed that jeff johns during jsa and flash and stuff like that because they were he was absolutely firing on all cylinders and it makes me just this first issue hope that some of that is going to come back if if that makes any sense yeah okay so. i liked it a lot mm-hmm. it was a return to form for jeff johns if you like that sort of thing yes uh, book I was most looking forward to coming out this past week was Immortal Hulk number 45, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. Um, I'll say this, Joe Bennett's art has never looked better. It looked fantastic in this issue. Yep. Uh, tons of big panels, tons of interesting things across two pages, um, lots of big, bright, day-glow colors. But... Can I say that this may have been the weakest issue to date of Immortal Hulk? Is it because there's so much going on with all the plot lines? It feels as though we're getting, like, so we've sat here, we've speculated so many times, like, oh, is issue 25 going to be the last issue? Is this issue going to be the last issue? Is whatever going to be the last issue? This really feels as though, for the first time, it is ramping up to the final issue. Right, because there's a lot of little plot threads and storylines that get like maybe a page or two that we haven't seen in maybe like two or three issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the UFOs in here, but no Henry Peter Gyrick. Alpha Flight is back doing their thing. Betty is back coming back to New York. Um, 
Doc Samson maybe or maybe not escapes. And there's been so many different iterations of the Hulk introduced. Um, I just felt as though this was the one where maybe it was like, okay, we need to kind of start reminding people of all these other dangling plot threads. As we start to wrap them up over the next four to five issues, people have a reminder of them. And I don't know how this gets collected in trade, uh, but I would guess that this issue is probably going to be the first issue of a trade. That we have 45. Um, that, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm with you. I just feel like it's like, hey, remember all these people who you yeah. may not remember where they were? This is where they are. And home stretch. And, you know, I think we've discussed, we both, at least I did, I won't speak for you, believe that uh, 50 was the, the end all be all. Probably there'll be a, an alpha or an omega or whatever, something. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like that we are definitely heading into the home stretch of Immortal Hulk. Um, and there's like more, but even as we're getting into the home stretch, like more questions are popping up, like who may have hijacked Samson's body. Um, Joe fix it is now like, you know, where he's at. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, I just feel like we haven't seen all our Hulks yet. If you know what I mean? Like there's a few Hulks missing. I still want to see the maestro. I still want to see, you know, uh, world war Hulk. If that's a possibility, just all Hulks all the time. That's the way I look at it for sure. Um, and I guess, well, and again, I, I don't think it really matters, but like we get how you're saying that there's all these different Hulks and it's not named in this issue, but in the back of the letters pages, they name the Hulk that we see as the cosmic Hulk. Okay. Right. And I, I, I read this issue twice and I don't think at any point they tell us that this is the cosmic Hulk that we're seeing on the last page. Okay. Ultimate Hulk, they should call him. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I'm sure there's a re- like, I'm sure that was the intent, and I'm sure there's a reason why they can't call him Ultimate Hulk. Not saying that it was not a good issue because it was, but this one just felt like okay. Now we're finally ramping up to the end. No, I get you. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, as the dope that I am, I you know things get so turned around in my head sometimes. And I think in both of our heads, uh, King in Black, number five, the final issue, everything's wrapped up, written by Donnie Cates, with art by Ryan Stegman. And now that guy can get his uh, uh, his full art thing <laughs> yep, of all, all these the issues and take them on tour and so forth. Um, so I'll start off by saying I really enjoyed this. Okay. Uh, I like the way everything wrapped up. I like the finality of everything. Um, I like that it felt like it was big change for Venom and the Venom universe and the Venom mythos. We had a bunch of cool action moments. Um, I feel confident in saying, at the very least, that Eddie Brock Venom uh, was imbued with the power cosmic. Right. The Enigma Force, if you will, <laughs> to finally take down Null and whether or not he's able to or not. I, I, you know, I have a feeling that you might know what happens. Um, but I thought this was really good. Um, I thought this stuck the landing better than um, Absolute Carnage by a Country Mile. 
Okay, I'll say that it definitely stuck the landing better than Absolute Carnage by a country mile, but anything was going to stick the landing better than Absolute Carnage by a uh, country mile. I only liked this issue. Didn't love it because, as, we, as we've discussed, I feel like King and Black ran like Blackest Night of all things. That um, That they... Even though the Venoms were in between, kind of like the way Green Lantern was, they were kind of important. And we're not really talking about those, but they were kind of important. And stuff's going to swing out of this. And I feel like, yeah, we have one more issue, which is whatever, like the legacy numbering of Venom, which is going to end uh, Donnie Cates' run on King and Black. But there's like a lot of questions like that I have, like obviously a certain character's coming back and we have that in Venom, but he wasn't mentioned in here here kind of a deal so maybe that'll be swinging out of the last issue of venom but the one thing that kind of bothered me that everybody probably thought was cool was the way uh venom super venom embodied with all this power was able to fight null with two weapons which felt to me like a very heavy-handed ripoff of a scene from one of the major marvel cinematic universe movies if you know what i mean (laughs) All right. And I was like, and no explanation was given why or how. It's like, oh, I could just do this. And oh, maybe it's because of the cosmic power that's in me. Maybe not. Um, but everybody just looking at me like, that should be explained in King and Black, not the epilogue. If it's even going to be explained in Venom. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like, oh, I'm done with these. And uh, don't don't think about it anymore. Apparently, I'm able to do. And I'm like, no, it, I don't care what you say. He's not one of those people that can do that. If you know what I mean. Call it a hunch. They're not going to explain it, and <laughs> I I'm okay with that because it was I'm, cool. Yeah, but sometimes when sometimes when you set up the rules the way the universe does, you can't break them because the, it's cool. Like there's certain like diehard rules that it's like, oh, if, to be able to do this, you have to be this or this or that. And it's like, oh, just, eh, eh, I don't know. I just, it bothers me kind of the way you have to have superpowers to throw the shield. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You know, Todd nitpicks. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there about a uh, power to wield shields, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, we still have issue 200 to wrap everything up. Maybe we'll get an explanation of the thing that Todd is tiptoeing around. And again, I'll just say this. Todd's tiptoeing around it because it's a cool moment. He doesn't want to spoil it on you. If if it made sense, it would be an awesome moment. Uh, but anyway. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them pirated off an Amazon Kindle site that's mislabeling books, be forewarned and be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. We're still all knotted up at eight apiece. Mm -hmm. And because I went first, I get to pick first. And I'm looking over your list, Joe. And is the book you're looking forward to most, Thor 14, the end of this storyline? No, it's not. Oh, it's not? No. What is it, Joe? It's Batman the Detective. Good call. 
A new Bat book written by Tom Taylor, someone who I've recently become a fan of and a lot of the stuff that he's been uh, writing, whether it be be that uh, Suicide Squad thing uh, that he had done recently or Nightwing. Right. Uh, Both of those have been enjoyable. And this had a name change. I think it was like Batman the Dark Knight, and then they changed the Batman the Detective. Right. Let me look, because I have the insert here. No, that I believe I'm it was in with the book, and I'm going right. to sell it and say rookie appearance of the Dark Knight. Right, right. Because <laughs> that's the sort of you know what I am. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking at your list, Todd. Yes. And I do have a lot of questions, but I'm not going to ask those. I'm going to make my guess and then ask only one question. Okay. I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Joker number two. It is not. Ooh. It is also Batman the Detective number one, Batman the Dark Knight done right. <laughs> now, a question I have for you, Todd, is mm-hmm. I know by the time that this comes out, you may have already received your books. Right. Um, everything okay with the Who's Who in the DC Universe omnibus volume hardcover? It. I would let you know if it showed up. Gotcha. That's what's wrong with it. No, a lunar, um, I do believe, and I'm not, you know, blaming anybody that we haven't heard anything that's wrong with it yet. Um, yeah. Because this was, or this is like, you know, when they do these big oversized hardcovers and stuff like that. Uh, I think I ordered this back in December instead of February for April. So December was a whole different company for DC, if that makes any sense, to distribute books. And in these times, like our retailer was saying, stuff's getting lost. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it was a pre-order one or two distributors ago. So I'm like, fine. He goes, I can get it. You know, it's able to be reordered. It's not like it's gone forever, but it'll take a week or two. And that's one of those things. Completely understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see when I get it, what pages are out of order, what's missing word balloons or what. But as of right now, nothing, I can't, I can't look at it. Just wondering. Right. And because I knew you, you weren't going to pick it as my pick of the week. I was yeah, like, ah, I'm not, not going to tell him to take it off. Stuff. Right. I'm not going to tell you to take it off if that makes any sense. No, no, no. Um, like I said, I, I completely understand. Right. I'm still going to get it. So you're right. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the past episodes of this show, uh, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, add-ons with wrestling rests over there as well, because I'm too cheap to buy a separate URL redirect. And uh, you can also check out Todd and Joe Have Issues, mm. uh, where we're in a nice little streak here, hopefully, for the next couple of weeks, maybe. Googly, easy, steady. Of... Mm. Uh, I think uh, just read, well, at least for one more week, just reading one issue a week. Right. Uh, you start with uh, Spider-Man. Right. I, I've it's set just... it up so that, like, what, you know, who starts the show talks about what they read for the first time. Yeah, even though that's been out the window, like, a half a dozen times. But anyway, um, I read I'm trying, Sp- I'm trying. I know, I'm trying, I know. Um, at least you know who starts the show on odd and even numbers. Um, but anyway, uh, I I was reading Spider-Man, the adjectiveless Spider-Man 57, written by Howard Mackey, art by John Romita Jr., guest penciler. Um, 
Uh, just to touch on the art, uh, I like John Romita Jr., but I love older John Romita Jr. When he was, you know, being inked by Bob Layton on Iron Man and stuff like that, I feel like it, this is the beginning or just after his art style changes that I am not a big fan of, and I think only from here it got more exaggerated. So I like, uh, so I'm not even going to touch on that. I, I can, I, I like him at this point. So that's neither here nor there. So last we left our hero, Peter Parker, he was being uh, dragged off to jail by detective. What about me? What about Raven? Um, and after that, uh, Ben went to see Mary Jane, Mary Jane's none too happy to see Ben at this juncture in time, especially with everything at May's, you know, death and Peter's being dragged off to, to, to jail and she ends up slapping him and he's like, we, we have to talk. She's like, I don't want to talk to you. You're not even half the man he was. You're not even, you know, him, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, yeah, maybe this was a bad time. And he kind of, he kind of leaves, uh, Peter's like, you know, in front of the judge, you know, trying to figure out what he's being arrested for, even though they're supposed to tell you that before you get to the judge, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you have a right to know. And he's like murder. He's like, okay, this is, this is crazy kind of a deal. Um, so while that's going on, Robbie, is it Robbie Robertson or Robertson? It is. It's Robbie Roberts said Robertson. I get confused. He's talking to Jonah and he's like, well, what are we going to do about this? And he's like, uh, what are we gonna do about Peter? And he's like, nothing. Get out of my office. We got stuff to do. I have phone calls to answer. And this is the part that I actually really do. Like after Robbie leaves, uh, Jay Jonah is like, Yep. He's like, you're going to be, you're going to be Peter Parker's lawyer. Uh, you know, all the bills are going to come to me, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's all. And the guy's like, I'm going to give him the best like legal defense money can buy. So like, I do like the rough gruff exterior of Jay Jonah, but like if, even though he's like cheap and they have all the different things that, that he's done, He's a newspaper man, especially at this time in the history of the comic and everything, that he protects his own. Like, you, you work for me, even though Peter was freelance. Like, maybe there's something more to this that I'm missing, but I do. I, there was always that streak of uh, t- that when I read it, like off and on. There was a streak of loyalty that J. Jonah had for all his employees. So I'm guessing that's what it is. But either way, I... I like it. Um, so while that's going on, uh, 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 Raven detective about me. What about Raven's talking to Peter? He's like, why didn't you run kind of a deal? Like, didn't you recognize me? Right. Right. Didn't you recognize me? He's like, no, I didn't recognize you. And as this is going on, like now certain things happen and, and detectives, the detective Raven's like, maybe he's not guilt. Like, I don't know. There's something in me that's saying my guts, Wrong, and now I think we found out. I don't know if it was mentioned before or after that. Uh, Peter's want is for the murder of his partner, for Raven's partner. So I don't know if I knew that before, but I find that that's like that makes it this time it's personal, Joe. You know, so he's he's like, Oh, this and that. Um, and Peter's like, Oh, at any time I want, I can bust out of these cuffs, I can bust out of this, this prison, blah blah blah. And it's good for him because that he doesn't bust out. Because Kane's like losing his stuff over. He's like, oh, Peter's been taken from me. Um, like, like I before I could do what I wanted, and this isn't going to be any good. I need to, to like, you know, ease my mind or whatever. Uh, for, especially from these visions that I'm having of MJ dying, and he ends up going off. And I guessing because it's not very well done, but it's w- done well enough for me to gather. He goes off and murders somebody. 
like cracks their neck, does the cane shtick kind of a deal. And no, then, I need to clarify what's happening there. What? Um, oh, you're uh, okay. So the scene, you're talking about the scene with Kane, right? Right. Before he gets to Detective, what about me? What about Raven? Because I'm looking at it here. There's a scene where he's climbing a wall, and he's and then and then he says, "I have a vision of Mary Jane." Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's a crack. It sounds like he's going to crack somebody's neck. That was the way he was killing people. Okay. I don't know. That's very vague. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, that's there. that. That part's vague. That's why I'm like, wait a minute. No, he does something else in this this uh, issue that's a little bit more overt than that. But go okay. ahead. Okay. So I'm sorry. This was to me just didn't make sense. But then he go. goes, he goes, and he grabs Detective Raven, and he's like, you know, and he's like, oh, um. You need proof that it's not Peter and he ends up or something like that. And he ends up touching his face and he's like, I'll give you proof. And he leaves him marked the way the mark of Cain is. And now I'm pretty sure Detective Raven's going to be like, oh, I don't think it was Peter because this guy's running around doing what it is. You know what I mean? Is that the part you were thinking I misconstrued? Yes. Okay. So that makes sense. Well, this is going on. MJ, well, I'm just going to get to Kane real quick. Kane's doing his best Joker at the Arkham Asylum. I mean, Peter Villain in Ravencroft Asylum. He's talking the Jackal. Who did I say? Kane. Kane. All right. Fair enough. Um, A lot of people in this book. A lot lot, lot of villains. A lot of moving parts. Right. Kane. Our, our Jackal is there and he's like, you know, talking to, to Kafka and he's like, uh, this and that. And he's like, you can call me. Uh, what's his first name? Warren? Uh, Professor Warren, Professor right, Miles so, Warren. Right, you can call me Miles, but then when uh, uh, Colonel uh, Jameson shows up, he's like, you call me Professor. And he's doing his, like, you know, crazy man stuff and everything. So they take him off. Obviously, he's doing something in, uh, like, he, like he said, he was there to find something out, and he's going to find something, whatever. So now we cut to Mary Jane, who's having a breakdown because of all this. Um, and she runs out in the rain, like thinking, oh, this is all happening. As I said before, the 10 things that have led up to this. And she's worried about the baby, uh, and it's Peter's irradiated blood, uh, messing with it. So she's running, Ben's following her and he's like, she needs somebody to talk to. And that's when Judas traveler shows up again. And he's like, I need to talk to you, MJ, about you and the way you look at Spider-Man because you. I guess he says something like you because you love him or something. So I'm not 100% sure if Judas knows that MJ and Peter are together, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they are. And then Ben's like, nope, stay away from her. And then apparently Judas Traveler has the ability to say things and then they happen, a la street explode, building fall down. And I don't know if this is uh, word balloons that were in the dialogue or these were things that were written to J- uh, uh, John Romita Jr. to draw and they just got put in there. I don't understand. And even Ben's like the powers, like he never had anything like this. Um, and I'm once again, the only one that I ever knew was who Kane was. I'm going out on a limb and I'm starting to think is Judas traveler Mysterio doing like illusions and stuff. That's the only thing I can come up. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but that's kind of where I'm leading to. And Ben ends up just Ben ends up saving MJ from, from, uh, from Judas. And then he's, he takes her home. He's like, we, we, we need to talk. She's like, all right, I do need somebody to talk to, but leave the mask on because it's too, too freaky. Can't deal with it. And while this is going on, uh, 
Pod Peter is running around starting to remember with great power comes great responsibility. And he's going to head to the one place that he knows, you know, that where he'll find answers, which I'm guessing is home. So, you know, right now there's only three Peters left as we're doing this. So for that's now. everything. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we talked maybe like an issue or two ago where it felt as though some of the Jackal stuff was tacked on to extend things. Um, mm-hmm. We're into this here where the Jackal stuff, I think, exists to like it's already been established. Like, OK, we need to figure out a way to extend the Jackal part of it because the Jackal part should have been closed like two issues ago. Um, and then the Jackal stuff is just all red herrings. He's acting crazy. He's not crazy. He is crazy. Uh, at the end of the issue, he says, I couldn't have planned it better or did I? It's just like oh. everything of his is like misdirect to cause more confusion mm-hmm. just to kind of extend the story out further than it needs to be. Right. Right. Um, of course, the revelations coming up with uh, Detective Raven and Kane. And the murder, and now Detective Raven is starting to see that maybe he has the wrong man, but how could I have the wrong man? Like, I have the prints, and I have all this other proof. Uh, Jacob Raven, a dope, not aware that clones exist in the world. Um, Because, did you read the backup, the second feature, the whatever it was? Yes, which turned out to be part two of a story that I don't remember reading part one of. Yeah, essentially what it is, is this is Ben getting ready to, like you know, kind of wrap up his life in New York. Right. This is and, five years ago and he's leaving. He gets one gla- last glance at Aunt May and he's like, here's my beginning of my trek to the five years that lead me to the present in the more in the clone saga. Yeah. And he gets a bus to San Francisco and I'll just say, Todd, he doesn't make it all the way to San Francisco. What? He might have a detour. He <gasps> might have a detour in Utah. <sighs> Utah? Wasn't that the guy from one of those movies with Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm just going to say this about this issue. Yeah. This wasn't a this wasn't a bad issue, no. and the the reason it wasn't was because the only thing with ooh is what is it is Kane doing his or Jackal doing his? Did I plan it? There's not a lot of who's the clone misdirection. Let's pad this out. It's more of, hey, here was this story of why everybody thinks Peter's a murderer and Ben just wants to help MJ. And it's not the whole, like, is, are they, aren't they, who's the real Peter that without that, this isn't a bad story. You know what I mean? It's just like they, in that last, like, uh, storyline, they just hammered you home with, with who could it be? And when they get away from that, not a terrible story, but knowing where it's going, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I'll say this about some of the questions that you had there. Jacob Traveler is not Mysterio. Are you winking at me? No. And are you being Mysterioist? No. Okay. Uh, he is not Mysterio. Okay. He may have Mysterio-like powers. Not Mysterio, though. Okay. I will say, also conspicuous by his absence, Scryer is not there amongst the usual goons around Jacob Traveler. Right, because it seems like Scryer, when he goes, it's like when he went to Jackal's Cave Mountain thing, Yeah, was like, oh, I'm not with Judas Traveler. And Judas is always mentioning these other, like, three henchmen, but not Scryer. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. 
And I also want to mention, if you uh, look at the cover, Todd, mm-hmm. the, I, I don't know if I mentioned it in the post or not. I don't think that I did. That this had a fancy die cut cover. Oh, did it? Yes. If you're looking at the cover, there was like a cardboard overlay of the j- of the like the, the the jail cell bars. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's what we need more of. Well, we just had a die cut Spider-Man cover, didn't we? Right, right. And, and I think the next issue has a die cut cover as well. I could be mistaken. And it still sickens me that you were too too much of a coward to get the die cut cover. I need my Scotty Young cover. <laughs> I need my Scotty Young cover. I was getting the same variant covers for King and Black. I was getting what they considered the spoiler cover, right? Mm-hmm. And then issue five, they had a Scotty Young cover. And I'm like, I got to break the trend. I got to get the Scotty Young cover. It's law, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Die cut all the time. Nonstop Spider-Man, nonstop die cut covers. (laughs) Well, let's get into what I had to read. uh, And I'll say I had to read. Enjoyed reading. Jonah (laughs) Hex, number 23. uh, Written by Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray. With art by Jordi Bernay. Mm Mm-hmm. And side note, before we get into these things, uh, I always enjoy it when I see you um, interacting with the great Jimmy Palmiotti on social media. Right. Um, You guys were going back and forth about original art stuff. Mm -hmm. And do you know um, if he got or heard or whatever? Um, Who was it that you... Oh, he had referred you... Uh, to the Andy Kubert Sergeant Rock stuff. Right, which was way out of my price range. <laughs> and then I think there was something else that you referred him to. Was that a contact to Jordy Bernay, maybe? that That's where I got my commission. Right. But, and it actually makes me think of something. When I said that I got a commission off of Jordy Bernay a while back, maybe about Whenever it was last year during the pandemic, because I know it was during Porch Talk. I just missed unboxing it during Porch Talk because it came after Adam left. Um, that I was like, oh, I, I have this thing from Jordy Renee. And he asked me, he's like, did you get it directly through him? And I said, no, I went through my rep. And I think that was him asking me if I had Jordy Renee's email all the way back then, if that makes any sense. Right. And, and then I was like, oh, well, here's the rep that I went through. Maybe they can help you. But then I, because I always scour the uh, the thread, like anybody who answered him, yeah. there was a Spanish guy who runs conventions in Spain who's like, do you want to get in touch with him? I have his email. Yeah. Like, and I don't think he'll have a problem. You know what I mean? Like, I think Jimmy was too much of a gentleman to go, well, I'll ask a rep to be like, hey. Get, tell him to contact me where this guy's like, you know, no, I know him personally and he's not going to have a problem. You know, me giving you a, your email, your old acquaintance is kind of the deal. If that makes any sense. So I don't know how it turned out. I'd like to know, but that's none of my business, you know? Well, and so that's the thing. So I just wanted to, I, as I'm looking at that, I see the guy uh, was like, do you want me to do something about that? And Jimmy and another guy, Jeff Robertson, both chime in and they're like, yeah, I'd love a, con- a current contact with him. All right, and that wasn't this, up yet when I was looking. Oh, okay. And then this guy's like, let me try to give him a call on Monday. So I was just, you know, just uh, kind of touching, pushing, fo- you know, following along, you know? No, I get you. Yeah, But yeah. I figure if they're if he's got that through there, he don't need to be like, did you get in touch with him? You know? Yeah. But I just wonder. Like, like I said, Jimmy, one of the nicest guys in comics, man. Yep. Top notch. Number one dude. Um. So this issue, another fine mess. 
starts off with Jonah chained to a rock in the middle of the desert. And it's one of those things where we then cut to a man teaching a class to a bunch of children. Uh, I would assume elementary stuff. And the gentleman is missing an arm in the classic way that you would do in your old timey things where you would still buy your regular clothing, but then you would just pin up the arm or the leg of the missing limb. Right. Right. A la Kirk Connors and Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, So he is relaying to these children a story of a time before he was a teacher that they were going on a... He and a bunch of other people were going on an expedition uh, to photograph and take record of the Apache tribe. And of Mm -hmm. course, their guide in this is, you know, one of the few in this book, white men, who have any sort of allegiance to or will be given the time of day by the Apache in Jonah Hex. And I'll say this, when Jimmy and Justin write this book, it's written very much in the Jonah feel. Mm -hmm. Whereas this guy, whose name escapes me, the teacher, let's say the teacher, the cameraman, whatever, when they're writing his dialogue, it feels so very different over what I've read over the past 22 issues. Right. And I mean that in a good way that, you know, they could have just very easily fell into the trappings of writing him. I'm not saying like Jonah, but like a lot of the other characters in this book that are all like the same. And by them writing this character with such flowery language, with, um, you know, such descriptive terms, because one, he's an educated person. And two, he's telling the story to us through flashbacks, but to a school full of children. Mm -hmm. So I felt all that stuff was very good storytelling stuff. Right. And a lot of the crux of it is, is that like, you know, hey, this guy was bad news. We knew he was bad news, but we had a job to do. And this is what we had to do to get there. You know, he's he looks this way. He's wearing a Confederate uniform. Obviously, this guy's seen some stuff. Right. And I love the line. He's like, he's wearing a Confederate uniform. So he stands out if there's anybody who's got beef with him, can find him. And I forget whether or not that's touched on again, because there are people who have beef with him. And they may be because of Confederate days who may or may not show up later in the book. Yes. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, So they get to uh, the Apache tribe where they are. And Jonah is speaking to the tribe leader, Yellow Bear. Mm-hmm. And Yellow Bear expresses to him that the Kiowa tribe, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, their sworn enemy have consistently been pushing them further and further. And they're kind of like, they have the lower ground as opposed to having the higher ground at this point. Right. Uh, so... And there's there's very subtle stuff going on in the background as well with the kids. Oh, the uh, lizard and, is my favorite thing. Yeah, where the kids are running around playing as children do. Uh, they put like a lizard in Jonah's boot and then they just like very casually, very nonchalantly in another panel. Jonah is letting the lizard out of his boot without acknowledging it or chastising the children or anything like that. Right, Because, you know, you check your boots before you put them on, Joe. That's an old, old West rule. <laughs> That's right. Somebody might also put one of your old action figures in there to rib you. You never know. Mm-hmm. Right. So while this is going on, the Kiawe tribe do get the jump on the Apache. Jonah is there to assist. And of course, Jonah being himself is doing a very good job of taking out a majority of them. 
However, during all of this, uh, as the teacher, the photography person, uh, he and his crew are attempting to get away. There's a rock slide which crushes the arm of this person, uh, and Jonah just very casually comes over and cuts his arm off to free him, right? Right. Um, We wake up in the morning, uh, his arm is bandaged, and the few remaining Apache that are there uh, are with Jonah, and Jonah essentially says... In that attack, Yellow Bear was killed. Uh, Now, I know where they are. We're going to the east end of the canyon, and I have to get revenge. It's the debt that I have to them. Right, and one thing that you... I have to kill their chief. Right, one kind of thing that you missed was Yellowbeard was trying to get Jonah to go talk to the Kiawe to barter a truce because he knew the army was coming to move them and or slaughter them all. And he's like, the only chance we have is to, to unite um, because any minute the army's going to get here. And that's when they attack. And Jonah's like, oh, I'll go talk to him, try to broker a peace, and they attack. That's just something that, you know, okay. will come into play later. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, no, thank you. So uh, the army does. Uh, now they have the Kiawe, and they say, we want a peaceful surrender. We're going to send down some food. <laughs> Little do they know. It's not food, it's snakes. Live snakes. If it was dead snakes, that's another thing. Right, why did it have to be snakes? Right, so while the Kiawe are dealing with that, the army folk just kind of open fire on them, and their leader, um, what's the, uh, whoever the guy's name is. I think it's uh, Davis or Davison. I don't know off Davison, the top of my head. yes. Yeah. Uh, he kind of like says, uh, he kind of tries to hold Jonah off, because while this is all going on, uh, Joan is like, well, listen, I'm going down there to kill the chief. You know, it's a personal issue. Um, whether, you know, I, I understand what you're doing here and that's fine. You kill all of them. I have to go kill the chief. Uh, Jonah gets into a skirmish, a scuffle with this guy. Uh, and he's essentially like, oh, you want to go down there? Here you go. And he kind of pushes Jonah down into the pit. Uh, Jonah, of course, comes face to face with Chief Ironheart. Uh, there's a big battle, of course, down in the pits between Jonah and the remainders of the Kiawe tribe. And, of course, in usual Jonah fashion, with a few scrapes and scraps, Jonah does come out the victor. Um, and then uh, I guess Jonah also in the skirmish did get a couple of the army guys that fell down. Yeah, an army guy fell down. And while the guy was coming up behind him, he thought he was getting attacked and he stabbed him. Right. Uh, so Davidson is like, you killed one of my men. Jonah says that it was an accident. And, uh, he says, well, there's going to be repercussions for what you did. And, uh, in yet again, in another instance in this book where someone has Jonah dead to rights, essentially, mm-hmm. they're like, ah, instead of killing you, I'm going to create this elaborate 1960s Batman-esque villain trap right. where I'm going to chain you to this rock. Uh, but I'm not going to leave you, uh, defenseless. I'm going to give you a little bit of water and a knife, uh, and you get to keep your spurs on too. I don't say that, but you know, the way that it's shot a couple times, you very clearly see Jonah still has his spurs, you know? Right. That's why he can't pull his foot out of the iron, Joe. Right. Uh, so Jonah, uh, ever resourceful, uh, I guess in his boot, he had some matches as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a Boy Scout, always come prepared. He cuts down some dried shrubbery. He starts a little bit of a fire. And he's able to uh, attempt to free himself, or he's working on it. 
until the uh, the teacher shows up and uh, Jonah Jonah told him to stay put. Of course, nobody listens to Jonah in this book. <laughs> um, and Jonah, in trying to stoke these fires or whatever, uh, he says he needs some of the man's urine for the fire, right? Right, because he had poured the water because he was heating up the iron and then rapidly cooling it, either try to to crack it yeah. or to make it pull it out of the, the ground. You know what I mean? Cause it's been banged in with a rock. So he's like, that didn't work. I, I need your urine to, cause I'm out of water kind of a deal. That's what he's doing. Right. Okay. So we flash sure back. Kind of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So he kind of understood what was going on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So we flash back to what would be current day as the teacher now is looking at the window um, you know, kind of longingly for those days and so forth. And the kids are enthralled by the story. They want to know what happens next. And uh, he says that uh, he did assist uh, in Jonah's escape. He did take part in the abduction of Davidson. And he says, I'm sorry, kids. Uh, you know, that's the end of the story for today. And what ends up happening is as the teacher is looking on a photo that he has taken of Davidson now chained to the same rock that Jonah was chained to. We see, see Jonah in the picture and uh, Jonah essentially says that he's he's making this man uh, take a picture of Davidson every hour of daylight until he dies or frees himself. And we're going <laughs> to sit here as long as it takes so you could take this back to your East Coast town to show how the West really is. Right. Uh, the teacher it says, like, no, we can't do this. This is wrong. Um, you know, this is barbaric, whatever. And Jonah just, you know, kind of no-sells it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the line where he says, uh, you know, Davidson, he's like, look, you got someone to save you. Of course, a one-hearted man with a rifle isn't much danger to me. Uh, <laughs> right. So uh, Davidson goes over to start to be, or uh, the teacher goes over to start free Davidson. And of course, Davidson immediately turns on him. So Jonah has to shoot him dead. And, uh, you know, we don't get our multiple pictures as he tries to free himself or die trying to free himself. But an interesting tale on how Jonah has affected the life of what I would say a normal person. Right. And I love like kind of the thing with the bookends of it where he's teaching the kids like he's like there's two kinds of thinking in this world. There's there's the, there's the book thinking and then there's common sense and common sense can help you out. Well, you can have you can. He's like, if you're hungry, a head full of Latin might not save you. And I like that line, like, you know, ain't going to fill your belly. It's like, but common sense can get you a long way. And that's kind of the thing that they show through Jonah. Jonah has common sense. And there's like some things that like, I don't know if you pick up on, like where he's at the thing with the, with Davison and he's saying, I'm going to go down there and kill him. And he's like, no, you're not like, and he starts like getting in Davison's face. And he's like, I understand you. You're a, you're, you're a cavalry man who wants action, but instead they sent you out here to slaughter these savages and like the politician. And he starts writing because, and, and you know, you're this and that. And he starts berating them till he pushes them in the hole. Common sense. He's like, I knew what that was going to happen. He was going to give me what I wanted. Then he goes on and he teaches the teacher. And he's like, he's like, you know, it's rough out here. He goes, but there's mercy. He's like, you have to, ha to help the guy. And he's like, and in my mind, Jonah knew exactly what was going to happen. He was going to go over with that rifle to help 
release Davison and Davison was going to immediately turn on him. And in the end, he taught the teacher another common sense lesson. Take it back to your city and like, stay out of here, tenderfoot. Like you're, you're in over your depth. And that's the way I look at it. There's all these little common sense lessons, how to, you know, break free from the chain with just some to MacGyver it, Joe, um, you know, a uh, uh, hundred years before MacGyver with matches, some water. And I don't know, that's kind of the way I look at the story. And that's why I really, really, really like this, this issue. Yep. This was definitely a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week uh, we have uh, Jonah uh, 24, of course. Mm-hmm. And we have Spectacular Spider-Man number 223. Right. Uh, so just one issue uh, a piece this time. And then we, uh, for the next couple of weeks, we roll into, like uh, two weeks after that, we roll into two issues a week for Spider-Man as we're trying to get things uh, kind of evened out, if you will, right? Right. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, like you said on Jonah, it's a lot of one issue episode yeah. issues. Yeah. I think there's like a graphic novel somewhere down the road, but we're plugging along. Right, and there's one six-part story that I that I piecemealed out at two at a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our little store link where you could purchase shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you could head over to our T Public store where I think this 35% sale is going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and that's everything, and that's. Stuff with the Longbox Heroes logo on it, uh, After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, all sorts of stuff is over there. It's not just on shirts, it's on phone covers and tablets and tapestries and all sorts of nonsense. 35% off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes will take you right there. You could also help us out by signing up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, one, six never seen movies where Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. Uh, we just last month did my assignment, which was I'm going to get you sucker. At the end of this month, we'll be doing Todd's assignment for me, which is better <laughs> off dead. Uh, we also do previewing the past, which is 30 years ago to the month's previews catalog. And uh, there's been some developments, if you listen to After Dark this week, in regards to all of that. And it's good developments, but it's quite the ride. There's some to-doings transpiring. (laughs) Yes. That's a a, uh, smoky line, ain't it? No, that's that's, uh, the Lemon Tree episode. Shake your fist harder, boy. Uh, That's right. They go to the turnips instead. Right when they're when they're when they're stealing the thing, he's like, "Wake up, boy! There's to doings transpiring." Uh, so you could also help us out another way, which is making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon link uh, at the top mm. of the page at longboxheroes.com. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy when he gets his cut of the advertising fee at the end of the month. Yay! Mm-hmm. And I just cleaned my PayPal out, so. Mm-hmm. Build that back up, please. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include El uh, Eat Ativa Shredder Lubricant. Now, I have a paper shredder, Todd. I did mm. not know that my paper shredder needed a lubricant. Mm. It's like supper to the shredder, Joe. <laughs> I thought the paper was the supper. Oh, I don't know. That does Would like the lubricant then be like a, like a sauce or a glaze, maybe? Yes, yes. Maybe a bisque. I don't know. Well, definitely something that you shouldn't put in your paper shredder, 
which is a pack of three 16-ounce jars of Jif Creamy Peanut Butter. That would look awesome. Uh, somebody also purchased the Kleenex Soothing Lotion Facial Tissues with coconut oil, aloe, and vitamin E. Mm. Uh, that's a little too fancy for my tissues. I don't want to get off on a, on a, on a, a rant here, but you know, like there's the store brand stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with store brand paper products, but I'm not okay with store brand plastic products. I gotcha. I don't need one of your tissue tangents, Joe. All right. Thank you. Uh, somebody also purchased a uh, Dr. Afra Star Wars, you know, expanded universe novel. Somebody also purchased a glow-in-the-dark Black Lantern Wonder Woman 80th Anniversary Funko Pop. Mm. And uh, somebody also purchased Thundar the Barbarian, the complete series on Blu-ray. That's fantastic, and I still understand why we haven't had a Thundar comic or a relaunch of the Thundar cartoon. We need that now. We did uh, have a Thundar comic Remember when it was all the Hanover Bear properties in like a mashup comic a couple years back? Okay. But it was no one dedicated Thundar thing. It was all the different properties kind of crossing over into their own thing. I always feel like Lucas stepped on the neck of Thundar over the Sun Sword. I don't know why. Got no proof, but. Doing some Thundar. I'm trying to see what the comic was. And uh, I apologize for the dead air here. Right, right. Oh, well. No, I need to know. I, that's right. Can't leave a question unanswered on this show. Unless it's my question. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't find it. Somebody will tell us. Somebody tell us. I don't know the right. answer right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased, in one of my favorite opportunities, uh, a $25 Amazon gift card. Right. You know what goes well with that? Something purchased through our Amazon click-through. Right. Every Amazon gift card should come with a a link to our store or our click-through. And uh, I intended to read this on After Dark. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say this and move on. Somebody also purchased a leather strap silicone lip plug toy opening mouth plug. Okay. Um, I said those. I said those words very slowly and deliberately. If you would like to turn your safe searches off and look up that item on Amazon, by all means. There you go. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks uh, uh, since we started recording? We did not. I just looked thirty seconds ago, and we do not, which is fine. Hey, a break every once in a while is is good for business. Yeah, you earned it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's it for this uh, main part of the show. We're going to get into uh, TV talk with spoiler-filled discussion of both the most recent episodes of The Flash. We're always a week behind in The Flash because they air when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. And uh, the most recent episode of Flash and the Winter Soldier. No, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not the Flash and the Winter Soldier. I would watch the heck out of Flash and the Winter Soldier. The crossover we never knew we needed. Mm Mm-hmm. So we always start uh, with The Flash. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we used to get these episodes uh, back in the pre-COVID days. Mm-hmm. But you know what I hate, Todd? What? 
episodes of The Flash, The Flash ain't in. What? He needed to heal, Joe. Heal! He's a heal! Uh, so we get a goofy time travel story with Cisco and Chester. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the forces... Yes. We had the power force, we had the fear force, and now we have a time force. Which aren't their real names. Cisco comes up with different names for them all. Uh-huh. Well, that's their names, right? Well, they are the strength force, the sage force, and because he can go through time, it's the still force. Yeah, I don't know either. Um. So... In this, they're trying to find and track the uh, the force force. I guess that's mm-hmm. what we'd call them. Right. Um, and in doing so, they have like these amplifiers that they could detect when their powers are surging and they're trying to set things up like outside of town. And in doing so, they get bumped by like this big dome. And right. I started getting a lot of feels of like WandaVision from some of the stuff that was here, but you know, it's not like that part of WandaVision was any sort of, like, new thing that they created. Right. But still, you know, we're hot off the heels of WandaVision only by about a month or so. So a lot of feelings of that. And in this, Cisco and Chester get thrown back to the far-flung year <laughs> of 1998. When the original Space Jam was coming out. I wonder if Warner Brothers has anything new coming out with Space Jam. They sure do say Space Jam a lot in this this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cisco and Chester need to figure out a way to get things back, get themselves back to the regular time and get themselves out of this bubble or whatever it is. But they were brought back to this time and this date and this point, whatever, so uh, Chester can have time with his dad because the day that they come back is the day before that his father passes away. Uh, he gets a lear- he gets a lesson from his dad that his dad was also an inventor person that kind of inspired Chester to be the man that he is today. But Chester's dad would go and buy stuff that he knew Chester would leave and then purposely throw it out to teach Chester the lesson to be uh, resourceful and, like, dig through the garbage, I guess. I don't know. Right. Uh, it's a lesson that he learned. Uh, we also have the... Um, I'll, I'll call it the B story of Frost and Caitlin being odd couple 2021. Right. And then we have the C story of Iris and the speed mm-hmm. force that looks like Barry's mom right. becoming friends and how uncomfortable that is because Barry's relationship with his mom, not that it matters because Barry's in sleepy time land. Right. And they're going to be roommates now too, Joe. That's right. Ugh. Pigs in a blanket. They're all going to sleep in the same bed. Awkward. What? Don't make fun of the Barry Blanket burrito. Growing up, I had the Todd Tarp tamale, man. I know what he's talking about. Yeah. But, so, I, I, yeah, I'm not big on the whole, like, oh, it's a blessing to have the the speed force look like your dead mother. It's you're giving him extra days. With his mother. It's not his mother. That whole, that whole thing was absolutely stretched out. Like I was like, no, like not stretched out as in, it's just very, 
just improbable. It's like, no, like if somebody was walking around wearing this, like the look of my dead mother, it'd be like, nah, this is kind of creepy. It's not, this doesn't feel like I'm getting extra days with her, um, kind of a deal. But I, I, that was my least favorite part of it. Um, the, the, I do like the Caitlin Frost story. I just, that's at least fun to me seeing the differences in them. But then when we get down to the time travel story, my, I don't care for the story because it feels like it was a leftover Legends of Tomorrow script and they they just don't have the heart that or the fun in this that Legends gets away with. It's like, oh, here's our moment to have bad wigs and all these period costumes. And I'm like, N- all of it feels completely out of place. And then in the end, the person who had the time force, I mean, sorry, the still force, um, they didn't, did they even set that up? Any of it that like Dion, like other than Dion walking around in the background, they're like, oh, it's Dion. Apparently Dion who went off to college. He was like, no, that was the other guy. I'm like, it's a very convoluted story that they don't explain very well at any point in the story. Am I, you know, are do, do have a, a disagreement on that at all? No, and, the, and I, I think you're right because like this episode title is the one with the '90s, which is mm-hmm. a very like Legends of Tomorrow episode title, right? And yeah, this one it felt like they had this idea of time travel, mm-hmm. but didn't really know how to flesh things out. And you know, being an old when you time travel back to the late '90s. You know, I don't know if it's as nostalgic for me as it is to, like, traveling to the 80s or something like that. So, and, you know, the main thing is it's a Flash episode with very little Flash in it. Little to no Flash in it. Yep. And then we get the word that Caitlin is in trouble, or Frost is in trouble because, uh, uh, what do you call it, the the cop is there, that, that army person is there looking for her. And obviously that uh, Nora Speed Force mom is going to move in with Barry. And then that uh, Chester's going to finish the the invention that his father had. So I have a feeling that's going to pop up somewhere down the line. But in this whole time Speed Force thing where the character can move through time, it makes me think they're going to bring back Wells, who has the ability to time travel, to fight the, the, the time guy. You know what I mean? Possibly. Yeah, he's like, oh, I have this power now to do time stuff. I don't know. Nothing is ever explained. We're in season seven. They're just coasting at this point. Yeah, there is no such thing as syndication money these days. So, you know, as long as WB, like, I, I don't look at ratings and anything. I don't, uh, those things don't really matter to me. But I've got to assume that it's a higher rated show on the WB. The fact that it's this far along or the CW or whatever it's called these days. Right. UPN. Right. That's right. Michigan J Frogs introducing it. Yeah. Uh, so moving over to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um. Hmm. <laughs> what you got a problem? I so I want to read the um, the uh, IMDb episode description. Okay. John Walker loses his patience with Sam and Bucky as they learn more about Carly Morgenthau. Seems legit. That sums it up. <laughs> he did he or did he not lose his patience? Uh, we'll get there. And his so, oh, right. Oh, go ahead. I'll, you know what? And, I'll, you take point. Right. So basically, this is uh, 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 
Winter Soldier, it starts out with Winter Soldier having a conversation with, I think it's Ao or Io, I'm not 100% sure, who's one of the Doja, I don't know how to say it, but but the women guards for the Black Panther. And, he, and she's basically saying, like, we helped you out, kind of a deal, um, with all your programming, and now you're, like, working with Zemo, who killed uh, our king at one point. And, like, basically you have 12 hours... Uh, or, you know, we're going to get him eight ourselves hours. eight hours and we're going to get him ourselves. But I do like that. He has the flashback to Wakanda um, where they, where they are uh, doing the code words for him and it's not working this time. And he ends up crying and like, you're, you're free. And basically that's it. Like they freed him and you know, that's not going to happen uh, that like, they're going to work with this guy. So uh uh, Zemo ends up going like, well, I have some leads to where we can go. They take, he takes Falcon and Winter Soldier to this group where uh, the the mother or the, the person who raised, what was the woman's name? I'm, I forgot. Uh, Medani? Dora Medani? Right. She, where she died, it's like, oh, maybe they'll know. They go. Uh, Winter Soldier and, and Falcon kind of do their bit. It doesn't really work. Zemo because uh, there's nothing better than a creepy guy giving candy to kids to get some information. Mm, Turkish delights. Right. I thought that was something else. I thought that was a bathhouse, but I'm wrong on that. Um, but, you know, so he gets uh, he gets the information he needs. And, and Zemo or uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier are like, yeah, I don't know. They end up going uh, back to the thing and they run into... Is this where they run into John Walker and Battlestar? I get, I'm a little confused. No. Okay. Um, so after Zemo gets the information about where the service for Donia is going to be, right? Right. Um, they're headed there, and as they're on their way there, that's where John and Battlestar show up. Yes. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. And they go back, and he's like, you're, you're working with this guy? like, And they go back to... Uh, Zemo's loft apartment or whatever and they're like well th- we're taking them in no we have some leads and uh, they is this where they and this is where they get attacked by the the doja right and they come in and I do like the fact that uh that uh no no that, wait wait oh, so, I'm all over the place I'm sorry right, okay so uh, let me so what they decide is this is where the this is where the uh the the funeral the services whatever are taking mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and they get the idea that S- sam gets the idea is i'm gonna go in alone okay right i think okay. i can reason with her okay right so sam goes in there he kind of appeals to her best interests and it seems like he's working on her and the whole time outside walker's starting to get antsy mm-hmm. he's like I can't believe you sent your man in there alone. I can't believe you sent your man in there alone. So on and so forth. So they're like, no, we have to give Sam his time. This is his plan. We're giving him what he wants to do. Right. So uh, Walker's like, that's it. I'm going in. And the stop him. And uh, Walker's like, oh, you must feel real good with that super soldier serum running through your body, huh? You think you could pretty much stop anything. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. That won't come back to, to bite him in the butt. So eventually, while Sam almost kind of has broken through, kind of gotten through to uh, to uh, Carly, and while they're talking, to go back to what we were discussing last week, uh, at least two different times during the course of this episode, Carly says to someone, 
do you think I'm a child? I'm not a child. And I'm like, you look like a child. Yeah. You look like a little kid. That's why. Yeah. Anyway, like everyone else in this show looks like adults except for her. She looks like a little kid. Anyway. But I do like the fact that of all the people in Falcon Winter Soldier, Falcon is the only one who's acting like Captain America. Yes. Like I'm going in and I'm talking to them and he ends up and he ends up making some valid points where she ends up like, she's like, and you went in there and you killed them. And he's like, she's like, and I killed them all again. And he looks at her and goes, you made me say that. He's like, I didn't make you say anything. Like right. you're she, slipping. Uh, he, uh, he says the line to her. It's like, they think you're a supremacist. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, I'm not. I'm against supremacist. And that's when she's like, I would kill them again and so on and so forth. And he goes, you know what you sound like when you say those things. And she says, a supreme, and she's like, and that's where she's like, oh, you made me say that. And uh, I was waiting for Carly to say the line that she rejects all supremacies. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not happen. Uh, inside joke for like one person. Um, but, but to lead up to that supremacy thing earlier on when Falcon, Winter Soldier and... Zemo's talking. One of my favorite scenes in this whole run is like he's like that. Winter Soldier makes everybody a supremacist, everybody, and he's like, "Would you take it, Falcon?" And he goes, "No." He goes, "No hesitation." I like that because it ruins people. And Falcon goes, "It didn't ruin Steve Rogers." And he goes, "Touche." But, but there's, there's only ne- one Steve Rogers. There's never been another Steve Rogers. And that is, and there's a quote like you use that I've heard before earlier when you're talking about us and our retailers, like game recognizes game. I love the fact that Zemo hates the, 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 the serum, hates it. And anybody who's taken, but I respect, I respect cap. I respect cap. And I'm like, that puts cap over for me. You know what I mean? I really, really like that. But in the end, um, Zemo proves, and we'll get to it, that he really hates the super serum, super soldier serum, and I totally believe he would never take it. You know what I mean? But go ahead, sorry. So uh, you mentioned John Walker comes in, and Carly's like, "Oh, you're working with him. This is all a trap." Big battle happens, and as Carly attempts to get away, uh, Zemo kind of like sneaks off. Yep, he, he they John Walker had him handcuffed to a boiler, and naturally, while well, John Walker goes in to do like all unhinge, Zemo manages to unhandcuff himself somehow because he's Zemo. Well, okay, so no, I think we're at a different part because this is when Zemo gets the drop on Carly and shoots her a couple times, and she has the fanny pack that has all the super soldier serum gimmicks in it. Right, well, and he this stomps one- on him. Yes, and that's him, like, not even caring. He's like, I don't even want to think about taking this. This all needs to be destroyed, destroyed, especially since the scientist is dead now. This is the last of it. Yep. And he ends and up stopping him. doing this, and he's got Carly dead to rights. Walker throws the shield at him, and it donks him in the head. Mm-hmm. And as John Walker goes over to survey, uh, Carly shot and Zemo laid out. Zemo missed one vial. Mm-hmm. And Walker picks it up and puts it in his pocket. That's right. Puts it in his life-filled pouch. Yes. And that's where we get to the part where they're back at their little safe house. Uh, that's where Zemo was handcuffed to the wash tub. And that's where the Dora Majad uh, show up. And then there's the big battle. And they kind of, you know, put the whooping on Sam and John and Battlestar. And Bucky's kind of holding his own. Until they give him like a little tap because they're the ones that helped rebuild his arm with vibranium, but they have a fail safe set in there that they could literally disarm him at any time. 
oh, you stole my joke. But yes. Not with a um, smile, but nonetheless. No. But there's that great scene in Zemo. I love the fact that Zemo is always calm when, when like, anarchy is around him. Yeah. He just backs out of the room. But then there's that scene where I absolutely love where the they take the shield off John Walker. And they're going to leave with it. And they're like, no, no, no. Let it with him. And then there's that moment where John Walker has his breakdown and he goes, they didn't even have any super serum, a soldier serum. Like, they were just ordinary people and they handed me my hat kind of a deal and i was like i really like that because you could see john walker's descent and even like winter soldier like yeah he's crazy i recognize crazy and i could see it in his eyes something happened you know what i mean i think we're gonna get that story down the line of something happened when he won all those medals that like it was a dark dark moment and ruined him you know but yeah um now do we think John has taken the super soldier serum at this point. No, he had, um, I don't know, but I don't believe no, because at this point he's upset that he got whooped by somebody who has no super soldier serum. So I think this is the moment that seals the deal that he decides to take it. Okay. Which is one of my small, uh, nitpicks with this whole thing, because he ends up taking it. Spoiler alert. That'll show up later. Um, that when everybody else mentioned that they took the, uh, superhero, super soldier serum, that it lit their veins on fire and they never, they thought they wouldn't be the same. And they like had to suffer through it. And John Walker's like off camera with Battlestar, like, Oh, I just did it. And nobody noticed. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping that we see a moment of him taking it and like, it just, you know, ravages his body for a few minutes. Cause it just seems so nonchalant that he yeah. shows up and he had, he has taken it at this point. So, um, Carly, uh, calls Sam's sister and like really threatens her is like, I know who you are. I know where you live. I know what's going on with your kids. Mm -hmm. I know all of this stuff. So, uh, does she, Sam's sister call him right? or does she, sorry, she, the sister calls falcon because she ended up giving her the coordinates she said give this like they say it off camera but she's like she gave me these coordinates and says come alone or she's gonna kill me and your nephews and he's like get out of town don't pay cash for everything and i'll take care of it and winter soldiers you're not going alone he's like no i'm not going alone you're coming with me kind of a deal and that's when he puts on the falcon suit for the first time in a while okay uh, so then again, they confront Carly with this information. Uh, Carly and, and Carly's like, no, no, I, I wasn't going to do anything to them. I was just trying to scare them. And it's like, I don't know. It seemed like you were going to do something to them. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're lying. Uh, there ends up being like a big battle with everything. And Carly, uh, Dex Battlestar sends him flying against a pillar and he's dead. Yep. And John goes over to check on him and, you know, John uh, handles it poorly. And that's when we start to realize that he has the super soldier serum in him because he starts like doing all the stuff that we've seen Bucky running around doing. Right. Like jumping. He has the supreme agility. He's got all that other stuff. And he goes and he chases Carly and her accomplice, her boyfriend, whatever that guy is. 
out of the building. Carly gets away into the crowd, kind of lost. John gets the jump, kind of corners this guy in the middle of town square next to a fountain. And John gets the shield and uses it in the way the shield was not intended to be used. Unless it's barren blood. Unless, Unless it's barren blood, but that's not barren blood. And it's in front of people. And they're all recording it with their cell phone cameras, uploading it to the cloud, whatever they do in this world. And there is now video of a jacked up Captain America apparently just killing a dude in cold blood in public. Right. And there's one moment that I forgot to mention, like before, is when the when uh, Black Panther's uh, female bodyguard shows up and he's like. He's like, hey, you're here. Like, I know who you are. You're like, hey, blah, blah, blah. John Walker, Captain America. And I'm like, something Cap would never say. Never say. And it's all these little things. And it makes me think that uh, he, John Walker was already unhinged, but he, that this serum makes people unhinged. Because like, uh, like with, with her, she's like, oh, I would never hate, hurt anybody. And I'm not a supremacist, but she's murdering people. I think this serum alters people. Like John Walker was already busted up mentally. And the serum, like Erskine always says, it makes you more of what you are. Remember that? Like where he taps his heart kind of a deal. He's like, you're, the, you're what I want. And Cap was the only one. Everybody else taking the serum is flawed. And that's where we are. John Walker, all these other people working for, you know, the, the, the woman. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. I do. I'm all over the place. Right. We're all over the place in this episode, but I think there's a lot going on in this episode. But we're so far into the series, the fact that so much is going on. Uh, we want to talk about everything, but we don't want this to be like a bit by bit, blow by blow review of the show. Right. Only but the it was a great spots. episode. Yep. And next week is the penultimate episode. And I think we're going to get john walker's backstory i don't know but i mean it feels like now we need to know everything about john you know right because we got a little bit in the second episode Mm -hmm. and i think we're gonna get the rest like i think we not in like i would say intentionally for the storytelling things we got the good up front Mm -hmm. and uh we're gonna get the bad uh later because i think there's a part in this episode even where um, Battlestar is like, no, man, you, you you definitely should be Cap. You know, you, you got the Medal of Honor three times. Mm-hmm. And John Walker's like, yeah, but what happened for me to get the Medal of Honor three times? I have to live with that every day of my life. And it's like, no, I'm sure we'll find out what that is. Right. And I do love that scene where uh, John Walker signs the thing. And he's like, uh, uh, I can't believe they didn't ask you for their autographs. And he's like, that girl's missing out. I do an autograph and I even do a little doodle with it. And I was like, all right, I marked out at that. That's like a comic convention thing. Yeah. But poor Battlestar. Yeah. Uh, but again, a great episode. Uh, a shocking ending, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's crazy that there's, what, only two episodes left? Yep. This is going to be episode five and then six. Uh, and we have a week off, and into Loki we go. Yeah, with Loki and, uh, I think, uh, Legends of Tomorrow start the same weekend. Right. Maybe we'll have to trim some something away. Who knows? What could go? Hmm. There's, no cross- <laughs> There's no crossover with The Flash this year because of the uh, pandemic. Yeah, you know, we went with the, we've been with The Flash for so long, but I guess, we're, you know, The Flash is on a borrowed time, you know? Yes, it is. I don't know. 
Uh, but hey, I think that's it, right? That's everything. All right, good. I could check everything off my checklist, and I could close out the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 550 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.